0: Good morning. How's everybody doing today? You didn't get blown away. Praise God. We came in, the, the rope on the flag was uh, broken. The flag was blown about 30 feet out from the post, just a straight line because one of the hooks came out of it. And I'm like, really? This is how it's going to start? Get in the back lot, and it's all muddy. And by the way, thank you for those of you who parked in back. Uh, God bless you because I know it wasn't very fun walking in for me and I doubt it was for you. You almost need muck boots to get in here. But the good news is that should be gone pretty soon and it'll be back to normal. But uh, it's been kind of a crazy couple of weeks, hasn't it? Well, I'm so glad you're here today. I'm Pastor Norm Oberlin. If you haven't met me already, I'm the lead pastor here. And Andy said I can't go past that because I don't have my marks up here. So I'm trying to anyhow. It is so good to have all of you here, and as I said, there's so many things going on at at the Hope right now, good things, and uh, if you're not plugged in, find a place. We need you. There's always something for you to do if you haven't figured out what your niche is. I'd like to open with prayer just because I can't do anything without it, so if you would, you can stand if you'd like one more time here. I know the Lord is here. Would you extend a hand toward me? I don't normally do this, but just just pray this with me. Dear Lord, help Pastor Norm to preach really good today. We want to hear from you, Lord. Use this man. Touch my heart. Give me ears to hear, eyes to see what you'd have me hear and see. We pray this in Jesus' name. And bless my neighbor to my right. And to my left. Amen. (laughs) You may be seated. Well, it's been a while since we have touched on the book of Revelation. I began this uh, series actually last summer. And just prior to Thanksgiving, Uh, I ended it with chapter 17. How many were here for most of that? So we've been doing a verse-by-verse study of Revelation, and uh, today we're going to actually look at chapter 18. But I wanted to just start with the fact that in chapter 17, there are two Babylons that are mentioned in the Bible. The one is Mystery Babylon, the other is Babylon the Great. The mystery, of course, is the Antichrist. his church the false prophet and the false church which is represented in chapter 17 judgment is brought on that church Not by God necessarily although he allowed it but by the leaders of this world during the mid-trib about the mid-trib the church is going to end and It's not going to be pretty and once it's gone, that gives the Antichrist what he wants. He wants all the worship for himself. He doesn't want to share it with anyone else. In verse, or chapter 18, beginning with verse 1, which we're going to get to in a minute, we're actually going to be looking at how this Babylon the Great represents an economical system. How many rely on economics? If you live in the United States, it's pretty important, isn't it? We're gonna talk about this today. It isn't my intention to step on anybody's toes. However, as I usually say, if the shoe fits, put it on. What I'm about to share with you might be a little bit striking. You might feel the pressure of conviction. And if so, listen, listen to him and as, as I put this message together, and I say this often, when I prepare a message, I go through it long before you do. I preach it to myself before you get it. So what that means is, I also had to adhere, have to adhere to what you're going to hear this morning. And there were some things here that, that really disturbed me about my own life and my own walk with the Lord and, and even how I perceive heaven and earth and what I'm supposed to do here. Especially with my resources. So let's begin Revelation chapter 18, verse one. And this, unless I say otherwise, is going to be the NLT. After all this, I saw another angel come down from heaven with great authority, and the earth grew bright with his splendor. He gave a mighty shout, "Babylon has fallen!" That great city is fallen. She has become a home for demons. She is a hideout for every foul spirit, a hideout for every foul vulture and every foul and dreadful animal. What more could we add to this list? It's pretty foul. <laughs> I think you'd have to agree, right? Now, we don't know who this angel is. We know that he isn't one of them that, that carried uh, the seven bowls. He's a different one, because he came from heaven, and he's a mighty angel. All right? In fact, his light was so glorious that everybody saw him coming. How many know that Jesus is known to be the angel of light? He is. And his glory, so that what I'm saying is, this could be Jesus. I'm not saying it. Well, it is, but it could be. But this city is so bad. So we see here, Babylon is one wicked place, amen? And I kind of put this together just to be symbolic. And drugs, and sex, and money, all the things that are connected to be with wealth, that's what's going to be taking place here in this Babylon the Great. This has not been a normal day. By the way, we're looking at a whole new wireless system which should fix that problem. I don't know what happened there, but, well, I kind of do. People are going to be living in luxury. When you look at the United States today, how do you see people, or even worldwide for that matter? Do you ever see this kind of stuff? What does TV look like? Isn't this pretty much evidence of what we see on TV all the time? Now, you may not own one of those cars or one of those jets or whatever however you're rich you're wealthy we're all rich we're all wealthy by world standards and we're going to talk about that let me move on to verse three I don't want to lose my place here for all the nations have fallen because of the wine of her passionate immorality or some of the translations say Or all have drunk of her immorality. That means that she has an influence over the whole world like no one else. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her. Because because of her desires for extravagant luxury, the merchants of the world have grown rich. Now, that adultery word, that's not necessarily talking about sex. It can be, but it's talking about they're sold out. They've sold their souls out, basically, is what's happened here. Opulence is the rage. Extravagance is what everyone desires. You know, I recently read how some of our bigger chocolate factories, chocolate companies here in the US, and I won't name them, but just Google it, you'll see what I'm talking about, that they're using little boys from Africa to harvest their coca plants in order to make the chocolates that you and I enjoy. So here we are hitting Easter, and and of course, what do you see? chocolates at valentine's day what'd you see chocolates we all love it but when you start to think you know there's a little child out there that's making nothing that's getting beaten probably every other day if they don't carry out their load for us it kind of sobers you a little bit our gain is their loss amen verse 4 Then I heard another voice calling from heaven, Come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins, or you will be punished with her. For her sins are piled as high as heaven, and God remembers her evil deeds. Now at this point, I believe that Christians are aware. If you go back to chapter 4, verse 1, we're taken up in the rapture. We believe that. We're still there. So who is this talking about? Who is God saying, come away from her? First, the Jews, because the Jewish people are still here. They haven't met their Savior yet, the Messiah, but they're about to. And the the second part of this is those who don't make it up in the rapture are going to be left here, and they can still repent, turn their lives over to God. It's just going to be a whole lot more difficult to live for him. Those are the people God's saying, don't take the mark of the beast. Get away from her. Get away from that economic system. Don't participate with her at all. Do to her. God said, do to her as she has done to others. Double her penalty for all her evil deeds. She brewed a cup of terror for others, so brew twice as much for her. You know, in the Old Testament, whenever you broke the law, it was required you had to pay back twice as much as what you stole or what you did, whatever the, the situation was. And God is saying, you reap what you sow. If you sow good, you'll reap good. But if you sow wickedness, you're going to reap wickedness. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 complements this. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Here we see God speaking a curse over Babylon the Great. Materialism is anti-God. Materialism is anti-God. People are leaning on their material wealth today. Can I hear an amen? They're leaning on their fortunes. Oh, I'll be fine for the rest of my life, whatever that may be. They don't even feel they need God anymore. Isn't it interesting how poor people find it easier to trust in the Lord than rich people? Why? Because poor people still have needs, needs they cannot meet on their own. Rich people have met all their needs. They can get the best doctors the best lawyers etc 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 that's what Jesus was talking about here Jesus said to his disciples I tell you the truth it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven I'll say it again it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God and this is exactly what Jesus was talking about when you have it all you find a little room for him in your life can rich people be saved absolutely I know many of them but it's difficult and we see that today there are many who do not glorify their heavenly father because of their wealth verse 7 she glorified herself and lived in luxury so match it now with torment and sorrow she boasted in her heart I am a queen on my throne I am no helpless widow I have no reason to mourn Therefore, these plagues will overtake her in a single day, death and mourning and famine. She will be completely consumed by fire, for the Lord God who judges her is mighty. There's going to be nothing left of Babylon the Great, of this financial city. Now, the city represents the world economy. I've already said that. But this, this, when this happens, it's going to be so much worse than the Great Depression. The, the Great Depression, they were still able to rebuild after it. Not so with this. It's going to be leveled. Wherever this city is, it's going to be leveled. There's going to be nothing left, no economy to recover when the Lord is done judging Babylon. Verse 9. And the kings of the world who committed adultery with her and enjoyed her great luxury will mourn for her as they see the smoke rising from her charred remains. They will stand at a distance, terrified by her great torment. They will cry out, how terrible, how terrible for you, O Babylon, you great city. In a single moment, God's judgment came on you. Nobody's going to question that this was God. They're going to know it was him. Even the Antichrist is going to be leaning on this system, this economical system, and it's going to be leveled. It's going to be taken away from him in an instant. And because all nations are interwoven with this Babylonian economy, they're all going to be affected. They're all going to lose. And that's why this next verse makes so much sense. I should say passage. Verse 11, the merchants of the world will weep and mourn for her, for there is no one left to buy their goods. Who buys the most goods in this nation, in this world today? She bought great quantities of gold, silver, jewels, and pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, and scarlet cloth, things, that, things made of fragrant thine wood, ivory goods, and objects made of expensive wood and bronze, iron, and marble, She also bought cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, chariots, and bodies. That is, human slaves. I just talked a little bit about the slaves. There's also a thing going on that up until recently was pretty well hidden. That's the sex trafficking that's going on right under our noses. Michigan is not excluded. In fact, I believe I heard it, that Michigan is number two in the in the sex trade. It's happening all around us. Let me ask you this. How are most good shipped today? That's a Chinese cargo ship. All our goods come from one place pretty much. We're making them wealthy, but we're the ones that are buying, you and I. Go back to this list. What do you see here that's really necessary? Maybe flour, wheat, maybe. But most of what you see up here, these are luxury items. They're not things that you need to sustain your family. And I believe that's what God's showing us is during this time, this, this city, Babylon, wherever it is, I'm going to talk about that here. I'm going to rock your boat here in a minute. If you haven't already figured out where I'm going, this city is consuming all of this for their needs. She was clothed. Better go back here. Verse 14. The fancy things you love so much are gone. They cry. All your luxuries and splendor are gone forever, never to be yours again. The merchants who became wealthy by selling her these things will stand at a distance, terrified by her great torment. They will weep and cry out. How terrible, how terrible for that great city. She was clothed in finest purple and scarlet linens, decked out with gold and precious stones and pearls. She was clothed in gold and precious stones and pearls. Do you get this? Who is this? Is this disturbing anybody but me? Let me ask you something. How many have one TV in your house? Two? Three? Four? More than four? <laughs> Don't raise your hand. Yeah. You think we're not rich? I remember I, when I was a kid, we had to go to Aunt Gert and Stella's house to watch TV. Well, they had a color TV, so that's why we went. We had black and white, but it wasn't. Once you saw color... This really hit me hard, folks. Are you ready for a reality check? Some believe that Babylon the Great could be the United States of America. It also could be Babylon right where Babylon was in uh, Iraq. But it would be very difficult for that to fit everything we read about it. Right now, it's completely disassembled. And I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but it's unlikely. We already fit the mold, so to speak. Whose economy does the world lean on the most? Who uses more goods per capita than any other people on the planet? Who peddles X and R-rated movies all around the globe, and everybody wants them? Who peddles drugs and booze and cigarettes all around the globe, and everybody wants them. I keep pointing at me. That's us. America. This nation could be Babylon the Great. Would you bow your heads just for a minute? As your children, Lord, help us not to represent this foul nation, this foul Babylon that we know is coming. Help us to live for you, not to line our pocketbooks or to live in opulence, but to further your cause, to further your kingdom. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, if we have sinned against you or your people, forgive us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We really need to take this to prayer, folks. In a single moment, verse 17 all the wealth of the city is going to be gone, and all the captains of the merchant ships and their passengers and sailors and crews will stand at a distance. They will cry out as they watch the smoke ascend, and they will say, where is there another city as great as this? Now, don't get hung up on this city thing. We've got cities that are like this. And John was given a picture by God He probably only saw one city, but it's a great city. But it could easily represent a nation. Amen? And they will weep and throw dust on their heads to show their grief. And they will cry out, how terrible, how terrible for that great city. The ship owners became wealthy by transporting her great wealth on the seas. In a single moment, it's all gone. The Bible is clear. Babylon is going to be judged for her wicked actions. In an instant, her wealth will be burned, gone, never to be seen again. Is this the U.S.? It could be. We don't know definitively. I'm not trying to make a doctrine here, but I am saying if the shoe fits, put it on. It could be any one of our cities or cities, New York. Los Angeles, Hollywood, any one of them, Las Vegas, when you think of those cities, my gosh, what do you think of? What are they known for? What what happens here stays here. What is that? No, God sees it all. You're not hiding. You may think you are because your neighbor doesn't know what you did that was foul there. Anyhow, I'm not running that direction. All these things are going to be consumed. Now, I want to jump into what I'm calling materialism here, just for a minute. This is where I need you to do a check in your own heart. I've already gone through this, but I'll I'll be following right along with you. Just give me a moment just to share this. I am concerned about our nation. As a people, have we become too materialistic? People want and want and want. It's an insatiable desire, and it's not easily quenched. We're all going after something. It should be God. Hello? If it's anything else, then your life is out of balance. It should be God. But my fear is, I'm concerned that maybe we have fallen into the same trap, this Babylonian trap, and material things have become our God. If you'll allow me to share a couple of scriptures out of our text, not in our text, but of course in the Bible. 1 John 2, 15 to 17. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Poke your neighbor and say, don't love the world. For the world offers only a craving For physical pleasure a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and our possessions these are not from the father but are from this world are you with me and this world is fading away along with everything that people crave but anyone who does what pleases god will live forever so that should be our goal is pleasing him not pleasing this flesh we need to die to self and live for him the less of us, the more he can take over and he can use us to bring glory and praise and honor to his most holy name. But I believe we have, many of us have fallen into this trap. I mean, look at the, the newest trend. Seems to be that, that it used to be you worked hard for what you got and, and you would somehow be rewarded and you would build your wealth. Well, today people don't even work for what they get. It's given to them, free gratis, and they're still not satisfied. They still want more, more, more. What is that? It's lust of materialism. The tragedy is, without something, we feel we are nothing. shouldn't be this way. There's only one thing we need, and that's our relationship with Jesus. Everything else is fluff. we're driven to get get more get more get more that's what this lust does to us it's all about the get 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 In first john we saw that it said that lifestyle is not from god it's the opposite of what god has for us god gave his son showing us this is how we should be be givers not takers Hello? We're so consumed with our wants that we forget about what this life really has to offer. We miss those beautiful God moments. How many know what I mean? Have you ever come to church early in the morning and seen that radiant sunrise? And every time it happens, and Sarah Welsh got a a picture of one recently, A few weeks ago, and it was amazing. I mean, it just, oh, wow. Every color just popping up like there was this glow in the sky, and God was just smiling at us. That's what it was like. Or when I see my little baby granddaughter, and she's not in here now. She's with her daddy probably. And she looks at me and smiles, that precious little smile. You don't need any money to find satisfaction in this life. Or when someone serves you and and you just go the extra mile and you give them a big tip. I don't normally brag about what I do, but I'm bragging on Jesus because he put it on my heart. I was eating with my mom. This was a few weeks ago. And this was in Grand Rapids, so it wasn't here. And this young lady was serving us, and I could tell she was pregnant. And, you know, I don't often t- tackle that one because sometimes <laughs> <laughs> that happened to me once. <laughs> but I figured out she was, and I, I just said, so when's your baby due? Three months. She did a little teeny thing. And she's just serving us, coming back, making sure our coffee's full. And before we finished our meal, and my mom paid for it, and being the good son, I let her. But the Lord put it on my heart to bless this young lady. And I had one of those little little 50s stuck in my wallet, and I pulled it out. And I said, you know, I just feel like the Lord's telling me I'm supposed to, to bless you today. I said, here you are. And I, I gave her that holy handshake thing. She took it, and she walked away. And a couple of minutes later, can I get you anything else? <laughs> you know. I don't know if she got it, because I as I gave it to her, I said, God bless you. I hope that she didn't connect that with me, but with him, because he was the one that gave it to me to do. But honestly, I was the one that was blessed. That blessed me to be able to do that. And I don't do that all the time, so if you're serving me in the restaurant, don't expect that. 20 percent, I'm a 20 percent guy, but. How about waking up to a good morning from your spouse, a kiss, and a hot cup of coffee? Sometimes nothing can beat that. You see, we don't need to stuff. In fact, some of us are too busy making a living that we forget to make a life. Don't be that person. What are you taking to heaven? You. <laughs> you. None of the stuff's going with you. Couple quick scriptures. You've read them. Matthew 6:24, "No one can serve two masters," Jesus said. "For you will hate one and love the other, you'll be devoted to one to despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money." First Timothy 6:10 from the message says, "Lust for money brings trouble and nothing but trouble. Going down that path, some lose their footing in the faith completely. And live to regret it it bitterly ever after. Don't be these people. Don't let money dictate who you are. Money is a tool. It's a blessing from God. He gives it to us to use to glorify his name. Are you? Or are you only thinking about what, what I can get next. That brand new car that I can get next. Oh, you know what? If your car is running good, who cares? I mean, if it's, if it's a junk heap and you need a new one, not mentioning any names. Just, just looking at one young brother over here. Pray for a new car, brother. <laughs> Sometimes we need those things. But it shouldn't be the driving thing in our life. This is what should drive us, you people, our friends, our family. Do you know, you didn't come to church today. You came to hang out with your family because we're family. Serious. We love each other here. And money shouldn't matter. It's nice to have, but it shouldn't matter. Finally, finally, Jesus said this, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy. Thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is there, the desires of your heart will be also. Be a giver, not a getter. Be content with your content. You like that? Materialism is a sin run from its influence. Can I get a really good amen on all that? One last quote, missionary Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You cannot take anything with you, but everything you spend this side of heaven is going to add up in your heavenly bank account. Remember that. So stop and think before you buy that fifth TV. Do I need it? Or can I use that money to somehow bring glory to God? Is there a little waitress that's struggling today that I can bless? Does the Salvation Army need a little bit more this week? Or Mount Hope Church for whatever? You pray it through. You decide. But be a seed planter. Be a giver. Back to our text. Verse 20. Rejoice over her fate. O heaven and people of God, and apostles and prophets, for at last God has judged her for your sakes. The Lord is going to vindicate his people. If you have been persecuted and prosecuted for the name of Jesus, these people are going to pay. They're going to pay. God's going to see to it. Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a huge millstone. He threw it into the ocean and he shouted, Just like this, the great city Babylon will be thrown down with violence and it will never be found again. Some suggest that this giant stone could be Jesus himself. We don't know. But Jesus is known as the stone, the firm foundation, the capstone of everything we hold dear today. The sounds of harps as we conclude this chapter. S- singers, flutes, and trumpets will never be heard in you again. No craftsmen and no trades will ever be found in you again. The sound of the mill will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The happy voices of brides and grooms will never be heard in you again. For your merchants were the greatest in the world, and you deceived the nations with your sorceries. In your streets flowed the blood of the prophets and of God's holy people and the blood of people slaughtered all over the world. This word sorceries, which I highlighted, is where we get the name Pharmakia. That's the Greek for that, which is where we get the name Pharmacy. Do we have any pharmaceutical companies in this nation? As I conclude, I want to just share just, I can't quote this any better than him. So Jack Van Impey, Dr. Jack Van Impey, uh, revelation revealed verse by verse. Who is Babylon, he asked. Ancient city of Babylon. Could be present day Iraq, he suggests. Could be. Others, including such prophecy scholars as Dr. S. Franklin Logsden, believe Babylon to be the United States of America, a leader of the Western world aligned with the Antichrist's ten-toed kingdom. Isaiah 18:1 and 2, it suggests and there are uh, five things that it suggests literally look like the United States. First, the insignia of wings, similar to our national emblem the bald eagle number two a land that is beyond the sea from Israel obviously we're across the ocean number three it's scattered and peeled meaning it is widely spread out or has great landmass. we have a lot of ground number four is meted out or staked out by acres and miles who else does that there's no country that's divided like we are we're an amazing country Number five, it's a land whose rivers are spoiled or polluted. Yep. You living in Grayling know that, don't you? Some of you guys have been, really been dealing with that lately. Likewise, in chapters 50 and 51, and this is where I'd really like my handheld, Jeremiah presents conclusive evidence, and I want to read these, of a latter day Babylon that it will spring into existence. As one studies Jeremiah's remarks, he is amazed to see that modern America seems to be the fulfillment of these predictions. One, she is a nation of mingled people, Jeremiah 50, 37. Two, she is a nation whose mother shall be sorely confounded and who coexists with the mother at the hour of her decline. There's so much coexisting going on here. Number three, she dwellest upon many waters. We've got them on all sides. Amen? Number four, her wealth plagues the nations of the earth to the point of insane jealousy. Do you realize how other countries hate our guts because of our affluence and our power? We fit this description. Finally, number six. Oh, number five, sorry. Her space exploits are so utterly fantastic she tries to mount up to heaven. And then number six, she exists when Israel is back in her line, in her land. I'm sorry. Whew. <laughs> if Babylon the Great is not the United States, I'll be surprised. What does it mean for us? Well, First, we can't be enamored with our wealth. We can't let that influence us, if it is. We need to get back to the basics and confess our sins. If if you're driven by your money, if that's the biggest thing you're all about today, confess that sin, because that's lust, that's idolatry. That's your God, little G. There's only one God, capital G. Only one. And nothing else could separate us from him. Nothing else could take his place in our lives. He has to be number one, or we're sinning. Does our wealth get in the way? Does our materialism get in the way? Would you stand with me? Babylon is going to be judged for its materialism. And when it does, it's going to come to a screeching halt in a very, very short time. Some suggest it might be a nuclear warhead. I don't know. I'm not even going to go there today. That's not important. We're not going to be here anyway. We're living for Jesus. The world at that point is going to go into a tailspin that no one, no one will be able to buy or sell anymore. But take heart, my friends, for this only means one thing. (laughs) Jesus is coming back. I am so excited to finally get to chapter 19 for several reasons. The big one is the saints are going to show up again. We stopped being mentioned in chapter 4. All of a sudden in chapter 19, the church, the church is going to come back. Hallelujah. With, with Jesus riding on that steed, that white stallion. Hallelujah. We're going to be right behind him. We're going to be right behind him and we're coming back to do war. It's going to be over in an instant. <laughs> Jesus is going to open his mouth and it's going to be done. But we'll get into that next week. This week though, let's struggle. Let's let's get on our faces, get on our knees and say, "God, is this me? Am I so hung up on materialism? So hung up on my next paycheck?" Is that all I'm about? If it is, Lord, help me with this. I want to be obedient. Can you say that with me? Lord, I want to be obedient. I don't want to go in a direction that's not yours. Say that with me. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Holy Spirit. Now, if you mean this, say this. I give you permission, Holy Spirit. Speak to my heart. Reveal what needs to be revealed so that I can deal with it and make the changes necessary to bring you glory and praise and honor with how I live my life. I love you, Lord. And I thank you for your word. Let this, let this word Be real to me this week. As I meditate on it, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. I feel inclined just to say if the Lord really loves us, he disciplines us. This is discipline, okay? Not punishment. We're not there yet. This is discipline because He loves us. He's saying, don't let this happen. You can change right now. You've got time. Change right now. And if you'll do that, then I will pour out such a blessing into your laps that you cannot contain it. But you have to take this step. You have to take this step, my people. Hallelujah. As I close today, wow, 12 (laughs) p.m. How'd I do that? Would you bow your heads quickly? Even though this is probably the most important part of the service there's anybody here today that say, Pastor, I'm not living for the Lord. Maybe you've never even asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins before, but you would like to, to make that happen today. You would like to invite the Lord into your life today. If you want to be changed for the good, I believe Jesus is waiting for you. All you need to do is just acknowledge Him. Acknowledge that He died on the cross for your sins. And he went to the grave for you. And the Bible says he took the keys of hell and of death. And he holds them today. And he has the power to set you free. And the Bible says whom the Son sets free is free indeed. But you have to make that step. You have to take that step. You have to invite Jesus in. So every head bowed, eyes closed. If you're here today and you want me to pray with you, I need Jesus. Maybe you've been running from him. You need Jesus. Lift your hand up real quick so I can see it. Anybody here today? Hallelujah. Yes, you can put it down. Anybody else? We've got a couple that raised their hand. There may be others that I didn't see. God knows who you are. Saints, would you pray with me, and then we'll, we'll finish up today. Heavenly Father, I need your forgiveness need the blood of Jesus to wash my sins away forgive me Lord of all my sins known and unknown and today help me to walk in faith to put my trust in you and to begin to serve you all the days I have left I need you, Jesus. I need you, Holy Spirit. Come, inhabit this temple. In Jesus' name I pray. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time or the 30th time and you meant business, God is right here to meet you. And the ushers have a little book in the back called The Start of Something Wonderful. It's free. They'd love to slip that in your hand as you go out. Please take one with you if you'd like. I don't know everything God's doing here, but this much I do know. He's moving. Get right with Him, please, saints. Get right with Him. Don't waste your time doing the things that you know aren't bringing glory to Him. Do the things, because He's coming back. And next week, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to give you an illustration that you're going to go, whoa. (laughs) I hope it works, because sometimes my illustrations don't work that well. But... think this one's going to work though and you're just going to go man I want to be that person so don't miss next week Father we thank you again for everything you're doing here we thank you for the worship we thank you for the assembling of this fellowship and now God keep us safe in our coming and going bless our coffee and snack time Lord bless our families keep everybody safe may they go out of here with the favor of God upon them we love you In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus.